0: This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Well, I praise God that His wounds have paid our ransom. Amen? And that we can know for a fact that we're going to heaven not because of what we've done, but because of what He's done. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus chapter 31. And I want to tell Tim and Alicia we're going to love you, and we care about you. and glad that God sent you our way, and we're sad you're leaving tonight, and we'll be praying for you. Take your Bibles down, go to Exodus chapter 31, and I want to talk to you about doing the work of God tonight. Doing the work of God. This is one of those exciting chapters that just jump off the page. Exodus chapter 31, there are three great truths that you're going to learn tonight. We're going to talk about the work of God and how, how you go about doing the work, how God gifts people to do it. And then we're going to see the Sabbath, and then we're going to see the law. But if you would kind of scan through the chapter with me Exodus 31, 1, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the son of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and in an understanding and in knowledge in all manner of workmanship. Skip down to verse 6. In verse 6, he said, And I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the, the son of Ahishamach, ...of the tribe of Dan, and put in the, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. Skip now down to verse 13. This is a break in the passage. Verse 13 says, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. And to skip down, if you would, to verse 16... Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communion with him, upon Mount Sinai, two tablets of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. And I really hope you'll listen tonight. I hope it'll help you understand something about the Sabbath. I'll be honest with you, that's a greatly misunderstood Bible truth, and it's very clear in this chapter. I hope you'll understand something about the law and how it drives you to mercy. But tonight, as laymen in our church and as men and women that attend our church, and as people that often feel like the only guy that God anoints and the only guy God feels is the preacher, this is your chapter. This is your chapter. This chapter has nothing to do with Moses. It has nothing to do with Aaron. It has nothing to do with one of the men of God having the spirit of God. So read with me if you would. Go with me through this. Number one, if you're writing things down, God gives people to do the job. God gifts people to do the job. In the chapter, God wants the tabernacle built. The ark and the furniture so that go in the tabernacle, he wants all that built. And look down if you would at verse 7. Got your Bible open, Exodus 31, 7. The tabernacle of the congregation and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is thereupon and all the furniture of the tabernacle. God is ready to get his tabernacle built. He's had them giving offerings and we're going to get more into the offerings later on. He he has had Moses as a leader, but now he's saying, I have some jobs I want done. I want the tabernacle built. In verse 8, he says, the tabernacle and his furniture. The pure candlestick, the furniture, the altar of the incense, and the altar of the burnt offering, verse 9, with his furniture and the laver and his foot. He had some clothes he needed made. In verse 10, he said, I want some people to make some special clothes that we're going to use in the, in our worship. In verse 11, he wanted some other articles made, some oil and some incense that he would use in worship. And here's what I want you to get a hold of Check with me, if you would, uh, please, chapter 31 and verse 1. God prepared special men to lead this ministry. He prepared a special man to lead this ministry. And it wasn't Moses. It wasn't Aaron or Joshua. So God has lots of people that he uses. In verse 32, he chose Bezalel. Look at what it says. In 31, the Lord spake to Moses, saying, you see, I have called by name. I know exactly who I want. I have picked him. By the way, you can't get him mixed up because he is the son of Uri, who's the son of Hur and who's of the tribe of Judah. That's the guy I want. And then he makes a great statement about him in verse 3. He says in verse 3, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and all manner of workmanship. Underline that in your Bible. Somewhere along the way, we have got this philosophy, not you, and I think maybe not Vision Baptist Church, I think we've learned this, but somewhere along the way, preachers have wanted to make it sound like, "Boy, we are God's gift to everybody, and God's filled us and gifted us, and we're the special guys, but in chapter 31 and verse 3, he's filling Bezalel, and Bezalel is a man who's going to be in charge of construction, of building, of being an artisan. Many pastors have made you feel that God gave the special, the special dose of the Holy Ghost to the pastor. Here you see God giving his spirit to a man that's going to be an artisan, a worker with his hands, and God filled him with his spirit and with special gifts and abilities. Look at verse 3. I have filled him with the spirit of God. You ought to underline that. Who? The guy who's got a hammer and a chisel. The guy who has a hammer and a nail and some nuts and some bolts. I have filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. He's got an ability to understand things. He knows what he's doing and he understands the job. He was literally gifted by God with special abilities to do the work. Chapter 31, verse 4. He said, I gifted him in verse 3 to defies cunning works. Good works, sharp works, smart works. Stuff that's going to astonish you by the way he's able to do woodwork and the way he's able to work with the gold and the metal. He said, man, this is going to be great stuff. He's going to know how to work in gold and silver and in brass. He's going to know how to cut stones and set them. He's going to know how to work with timber and to work in all manner of workmanship. Now, you know, Obezalel could have easily thought i like to do this work. I was just born with a special ability to work with my hands. I was just born with a special ability, and it's a way I can make a living. It's a way I can take care of my family. He may have considered himself to be just lucky and blessed that he could do what he could do, do. but the Bible said God had a special plan for Bezalel's life. Look at that in chapter 31. God had a special plan. The Bible says in verse 6, that God gave Bezalel, even other men to help him in the work. Look at thirty-one six. I and I behold, I have given with uh, with him a the son of of the tribe of Dan, in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted. I have put wisdom that they may all, they may make all that I have commanded thee. So here's what God did. God said, Moses, I'm using you, and you're going to lead my people out. And but I've got big jobs for a lot of people, not just the pastor. Not just the leader, not just the main man, not just the guy that sees to be up there in front. I got big jobs for everybody, and so I'm going to gift a holy ab, and I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to help him to do what God wants done, what God needed done. And his purpose is much more than taking care of his family. He's got a big job to do. He might have been born with the man. I'm good with my hands. I'm a good mechanic. I'm a good I'm good at this. I can do all these things. He might have thought all that, but he had a greater purpose. Apparently, with a holy ab. God gave several others ability and he gifted them. Look in verse 6. And I have given him with him, I have given with him a holy of, in the son son of, and of the tribe of Dan, in the hearts of all that are wise hearted. I have put wisdom that they may make all that I commanded thee. So had we been living in Israel, had we been living in Israel, it would have been an astonishing thing. They're about to make this really fancy tent. With all these fancy instruments, they're about to build things out of wood and cover them in gold, they're about to set gold uh, or stones on the shoulders and on the breastplate. they're going to make special clothes, they're going to make special oil, they're going to make special incense. they're going to be doing a whole lot of stuff. And God says, "I don't want to take time so you understand. I've got some people I'm going to use to do that. Step aside Moses, step aside Joshua. I'm using these other guys and they got a job to do. These men would only carry out what God wanted done. They were not men with a personal agenda, but men who would do God's will. They would discover their purpose for being alive in the tabernacle. You know what? They would wake up one day and realize, you know, I've known all along I had something special. I've known all along I could work wood better than most guys. I've known all along I was pretty good with gold and silver. I've known all along I could cut stones. I've known I could take a piece of cloth and make something really beautiful and special. I've known I had these special abilities. But I never knew why. I just thought it so I could make, make money. And all of a sudden, uh, Moses steps out and says, Hey, Bezalel, God just told me you're the guy. Bezalel says, Oh, really? Wow, now I got it. Oh, a holy ab says, I got it. And all those other wise-hearted men said, boy, God has a plan for my life. Can you say amen right there? Joe? You, know, you ought to look around and realize you are important in God's plan. You ought to look around and realize that God doesn't have at the church a preacher and a singer and a piano player and a guitar picker. That's not what he's got. He's got a whole slew of people. He has gifted and given special ability. And what you thought was an ability for you to work just may be. Just may be what God wants you to do in his work. Look, if you would think about these things with me. Does God have a work for us to do here and now at Vision Baptist Church and around the world? If I were you and I were sitting where you sit, if I were one of you, if I were a church member at Vision Baptist Church, I would sit back and I would say, I know I'm important in the cause of God. I know God has a plan for my life. I know God wants to use me. I know my job's not to hold a chair down so it won't float off into space. I know it's more than just giving money and saying amen. I know. And, I, and, and then I'd look and I'd say, now look, what what has God a, a, a gifted me with? What, have I, what abilities has he given me? I wouldn't run off on my own personal agenda, but I'd say, you know what? God really helps me do something different than other guys. I got a special knack. I can do things other guys can't do, and I'd find out where I could fit in. Does God still gift men to do his work like he did in Exodus chapter 31? I believe he does. Are you gifted with special abilities? You can see what needs done. You don't just talk about it, but you get it done. You have the ability to help others get the job done. You actually use your abilities in your own life and work, but maybe you haven't considered that God blessed you to do his service. So before I leave that, I would just like to tell you that, you know, you were, you were gifted and Exodus 31, is a wild chapter. Because in Exodus 31, it's not Moses saying, I need an offering. It's not Moses saying, we need some flunkies that do what I say. It's Moses saying, boy, God told us that he's got these special people that he's gifted in a special way for a special job that God wants done. Let's see about getting it done. Have you wondered why God made you like you are and with your special gifting? Would you consider surrendering your gifts to the Lord. Now, if I take you to the New Testament, you might be thinking, well, we're not building a tabernacle. We're not building a tabernacle. So go with me to the New Testament. Let's just see if in the New Testament there's any of this going on. In the New Testament, go with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. This is the verse that I would most use explaining in conferences or training missionaries. I would most use this verse about what our job is. In Ephesians 4.11, he gave some gifted people. He gave some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he gave them to the church. He gave us these special people. And, and I happen to be one of those. Now look at verse 12. Look at verse 12 What it says, For the perfecting of the saints. You should mark that in your Bible. For the maturing of the saints. So see, the job of that pastor and that evangelist, that apostle and that prophet was to help Christians grow up and mature and be all they ought to be in the Lord. So they know Bible doctrine, so they know about their salvation, so they know who they were, so they grow up in Jesus and be who they were. Then it says he matured them, he perfected them for the work of the ministry. So circle the word perfecting, now circle the word work. He said, mature them for what? What are you going to mature them for? So that they would do the... Work. So they would do the work. And what's going to happen when they all get involved and do the work in verse 12? Look at the verse. He perfected them for the work so that the body might be what? Edified, built up, grown up. So if you got your Bible open there with me, verse 13, he says, till we all come. So my job is to keep encouraging and and, and motivating and training and perfecting. And there's these other people that are going to get involved, and they're going to do the work, and they're going to get involved, and the body is going to grow. Go down to verse 16. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. For the, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now look at the verse with me and work your way through that verse. The whole body joined together like it ought to be joined together. All of the body working together like it ought to work. Every joint, every little part of your body doing its job and, and working, If it works effectually. Every part, it will make the body increase. It's amazing. Every one of us came in here, and by the grace of God, our bodies are all working pretty good. We walked in here because our body, every joint did its job and you got in and you got set down and you didn't fall down and you got set down in your seat. Uh, brother Kevin Page, who just became a missionary with Voice of the Villages and he's starting out on, on the road. Brother Page, uh, brother Page spent over four years uh, so bad of fainting that he couldn't even drive he would be standing in the pulpit preaching when he was pastor, and he would just pass out land on the floor they'd pick him up get him back to going and then he'd go home he'd be coming down the stairs walking in the living room and just pass out come to find out his heart was racing up to 257 beats a minute and then his heart would just stop pumping and his body just didn't know what was going on it wasn't all working and he was in major trouble they did some kind of special surgery in november and they got him kind of squared away and he's driving again and his life's back together that's a good one amen but every if every joint doesn't do its job then you're in trouble and somewhere along the way in church work we've gotten away from ephesians chapter 4 and we've gotten away from exodus chapter 31 because you got the feeling hey austin and the pastors are supposed to do it but the truth is the truth is every joint supposed to be involved every part's making an increase all of us involved in the work of God in 2nd Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also so Paul told Timothy he said Timothy you heard me teaching now you find some other guys that can teach some more guys and have them teach other guys this is a big chain and that's kind of like the ministry that's what I do training pastors that's what I do training missionaries But everybody in this room, we're all supposed to be involved in that. That's what Foundations is about. You getting involved, you learning, you growing, and you sharing what God's put into your heart. But I would like, before I move from this point, I'd like you to look at this and just consider, this tabernacle has got to be built. That's God's plan. God wants a building built. That's Exodus 31. God wants a building built. And when God wanted a building built, he said, I picked a guy. And I gave him abilities, and I gave him power, and I gave him knowledge, and I gave him understanding. This guy's going to be able to look at stuff and just figure it out. This guy's going to be able to, this guy, uh, I can't remember who, which one of the missionaries told us. Maybe it was Trent told the story, somebody told the Sunday Friday in class, and they said they had a flat tire. Who was that? You remember who that was, Cannon? Had a flat tire, and they raised the hood to check to see what was wrong. That was Jeff that did that. Yeah, Jeff and Mindy are young married and he had a flat tire and he said, I didn't know what I was doing so I raised the hood see what was going on. And and, uh, so, I mean, he needs somebody full of understanding. Amen? I mean, he has a flat tire and raises the hood. That was Jeff. So the whole point is God gave gifted people. Isn't that a wild thing? And so as you sat there, I, I would hate to be you if I didn't understand what I'm telling you right now. I would hate to be you if it meant I just go to church and listen. I would hate to be you if I just go to church and listen and give my money. That's my job. No, God has a plan for you. God has gifted you. There are things you can do. You should get involved in Sunday school. You should get involved in other stuff. And even down to being a holy ab or being old Bezalel and building stuff and making stuff and doing stuff. You ought to realize, man, God gifted them. That's no, that's no less than the story tells when he talks about filling one of his preachers with the Spirit of God. That's no less story. Is that wild or not? When he fills the preacher, he says, I filled him with my power. I filled him with my spirit, and I gave him understanding. And this time it was about a guy who was going to get a hammer and a chisel, He's going to melt some gold. He was going to cover some things with gold. He was going to cut some stones and prepare them. And there was a whole team of guys. That's Exodus chapter 31. So I challenge you to say to God, where do I fit? Where do I fit? I've got to be involved. I'd get more active if I were you. I'd come into this church like, man, I belong here. I may not be the pastor of this church, but just like a little toe belongs on the foot, just like a knee is needed, just like anything else happens on the body, I'm, they need me to get the job done, and God gifted me. You don't have your own mind. You will have your own thing. You're not trying to do something on your own. That'd be a cancer, but you are involved, and I challenge you to do that. Take me go check out Exodus 31 Verses 1 through 11 and see if that's not what's going on in those chapters. Will you get in and get the training you need? Will you share with others what God's teaching you? Will you do a work in the church of God that you were made and prepared to do? That brings me down to verse 15, if you would. Go with me to 15. Second thing I want you to note. The Sabbath day. Now let me say something right here. It's going to get me in trouble. I am about to get in trouble. I'm just going to say what the Bible says. When you get mad, I'm sorry. Well, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. I'm not going to tell you what Southerners believe. I'm not going to tell you what church people believe. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. So put on your seatbelt and read the verses. And if it's what the Bible says, you can stone me, but I'll hold my Bible while you do. All right? Look at verse 15. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the, the, is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. So write this down. If you do that sort of thing, the Sabbath day means the seventh day or Saturday. Seventh day was Saturday or the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. By the way, the Jews know that. They've been doing that all along. It ain't like they just woke up one day and said, Stink, man. We counted wrong. It was supposed to be been Sunday. They've always known it was Saturday. So if you don't know, they wrote this thing. They, this is their book, and they know it's supposed to be Saturday. Second thing, violating the Sabbath day brought the death penalty. Look in verse 14, and you just read it in 15, but here it comes again. You shall keep the Sabbath day, therefore, for it's holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. So if you violated the Sabbath, this isn't about don't go out to eat on Sunday. Now, I'm all for your favor. you never going out to eat on Sunday. That's fine. Go home. I had a salad at home today. Now, I'm not saying that, but here's what it's, this is not about that. If you did it, if you did it, you broke the Sabbath, you were dead meat. Verse 16. The nation of Israel was always to keep the Sabbath. Read this chapter, read the verse with me. Verse 16. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. The children of Israel, underline that, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Between who? The children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath for a perpetual covenant. Verse 13, the Sabbath was a sign between God and Israel. Verse 13, speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it's a sign between me and you, underline, between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord that thus sanctify you. In case you don't know who he's talking about, verse 17, he said, It's a sign between me and, would you repeat those words? Me and the children of Israel. Me and the what? Children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So just let me give you some truths and you can beat me up later. Here they are saturday was the day of rest it was a day for the jews it was a sign and a covenant between god and the jews it was a death penalty offense to violate it one guy was caught picking up sticks and since he didn't pick up a whole lot he just picked up some sticks moses didn't know what to do with him and so moses went to god in prayer they said he said just just put some handcuffs on him throw him in a in a room till i find out And he went to god came back out and said, "Uh, we got to kill him. God said, kill him. It was a death penalty offense. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. The church does not, nor has it ever, exercise the death penalty. Only the state church and the Catholic church have ever exercised the death penalty. We're Baptists. We don't do that. We don't like what... If you don't agree with us, I don't like it that you don't agree, but we don't kill you. Say amen. Now, all the churches in America... There was a Salem witch trial, and so the church decided, it was the church decided, we're just going to kill them people. Them witches, we'll find out they're witches. If they're really witches, they won't die when we drown them. And if they don't die, we'll know they were witches. If they die, well, they were innocent. But praise Jesus, they're wet innocents. Amen. It was a rough time. But the church of Jesus Christ does not, nor has it ever, exercise the death penalty. Many Christians have brought over much of the law to the church. They think it works in the New Testament, but it doesn't. Keeping the Sabbath, the day of rest, is on the same level as requiring Christians to be circumcised. The book of Galatians was written because some people came down from Jerusalem and they said to the people in Galatia, you can be saved by grace, but you got to get circumcised. And Paul said, that's another gospel. That's not right. And so requiring Christians to do that is not biblical. We don't require people to be circumcised. We don't require people to keep the Sabbath. There's nothing wrong with honoring Sunday and not working. I think it's a good thing. I think. I'll be honest with you. Sunday's probably, I mean... On Sunday afternoon, it's it probably the least work I ever do, except when I was in Peru. I used to preach six times the first three or four years. I preached six times every Sunday. I preached at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 7.30 uh, every day, every Sunday. Uh, but most of the time on a Sunday, I, you know, I don't necessarily take a nap, but I just read, just kind of lay around. But let me just tell you, to make that a rule would be wrong. And some Christians have made that a rule. And we've got to be careful we're not under those rules. Those rules weren't written for us. And you just read the Old Testament. And, and, and by the way, if you don't want to eat out on Sunday, I think that's great. I'm all for you. Don't eat out on Sunday. Don't do any of those things. Just don't make it a rule. Don't make it a rule for anybody else or you'll be crossing a line. There's nothing wrong with honoring Sunday. and There's nothing wrong with not working, but you're not under a commandment. We are not the nation of Israel. Israel and church are not the same entity. I'd like to just take a second and help you to understand something big you got to learn. Israel's one group of people and the church is another group of people we're in the we're in the age of the church now we're in the age of the church and so Israel had certain things that that's why I don't wear a robe I'm not a priest that's why we don't baby baptize that's why we don't circumcise babies here at the church because those things and many Protestant churches brought them over because they can't figure out when Israel ends and the church starts. But in the New Testament, we didn't baptize babies, and we didn't circumcise babies, and we didn't honor the Saturday in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it was a church age. It was a different age. You need to know real clearly, why could some churches kill people that didn't agree with their doctrine? Because Israel could, and they thought they were like Israel. We're not like Israel. We're a whole new group. We're a whole new group. We are a whole new group, and we're not in the same boat as they were. Go with me if you would, now that you're mad. we get something really glad. Go to Exodus chapter 31 verse 18. I've never preached that before in my life. Never have, but this got stuck with it. It was in the chapter, Exodus 31. Exodus 31 verse 18. God wrote the commandments with his fingers. That's a wild statement, isn't it? Look at verse 18. And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, Written with the finger of God. And so the last thing, I, the first thing I want you to see tonight was in Exodus chapter 31, God gifted people to do the work. You're supposed to do the work. The second thing is you're not under the Old Testament rules that applied to the Jews. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't. It doesn't mean I'm against being circumcised. It doesn't mean I'm against not honor uh, honoring Saturday or Sunday or any other day. And Colossians, Paul said, just pick a day you want to honor. That'll be fine. Pick you a day. And so... It's not that's not the deal. But the deal is we don't bring those laws over now. We're to the verse where he said, I wrote the Ten Commandments with my finger. And I would just like to work you through some things you've already studied as you've been going through the Bible. The Ten Commandments are also called the tables of testimony. We'll get to that in a minute. They are on stone tablets. Go with me to Second Corinthians chapter three and verse six. Because you may think, well, these Ten Commandments, they have this elevated position. Because he wrote them with his finger, they're like really special. They're like really special, and and and. But I want you to understand what God said about the Ten Commandments, so you get the real picture. In Second uh, Second Corinthians chapter three and verse six, He said, "Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament." Underline that of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Underline. He said, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Those things written on those Ten Commandments, they kill, but the Holy Spirit's giving life. Look at verse 7. For the But if the ministration of death, in the margin of your Bible, write ministry of death. The ministry of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, was glory was to be done away. Check that out. Underline, ministry, ministration of death. Written and engraved in stones. God wrote it with his finger. And it was such a wonderful thing. And it was wonderful. And it is wonderful. And it has its perfect place in our lives. The law, the law was a ministry of death. And it was great. But you are ministers of the New Testament. Look at verse 9 if you would. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory... Much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. The letter kills. It's the ministry of death. It's written engraved in stones. It's the ministry of condemnation. Now before I leave it, let me remind you, the law has a great purpose in all of our lives. It is the law that God uses to show me my need of a Savior. It is the law that shows me my condition. It is the law that says, Austin, you have sinned and you have failed, and there's no way you can go to heaven when you die because you have failed God. And the law has a great place because without the law, I'd never recognize who I am. Without the law, I'd never recognize my need of the Savior. Without the law, I'd never go run into Jesus. Without the law, I need to be condemned. I need to be condemned. I need to know I'm in desperate need of what God and only God can do. Through Jesus Christ. But if you notice in the verse. In, 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 in verse 9 he said. Much more does the ministry of righteousness exceed in glory. You know what happened don't you. The, the, the law was death to tell me I'd go to hell. The law condemned me. It was a ministry of death. But I got to Jesus and there was a ministry of righteousness. I could never keep the law. It's beyond me to keep the law. I've only failed the law. The law showed me how wicked I was. And Jesus showed me he could pay the debt. And give me new life. And Jesus gave me life. And Jesus took it on him. And going back to Exodus chapter 25 and verse 21. The beauty is in this whole tabernacle that they're building. That, uh, that under the mercy seat you'll find those ten commandments. Exodus 25, 21. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark you'll put the testimony that I shall give you. In the ark, you put the testimony. So you take those six commandments. You got those six commandments and you put them right under there. So buddy, that's the basis because that right there is what makes me need mercy. And above that, on the ark, you put a mercy seat. Look if you would at verse 22. And I will meet with thee. And there, I will meet with thee. And there, I will meet with thee. And I will commune with thee from above. This is beautiful. This Old Testament, I will meet with you above the mercy seat. I will meet with you above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all the things I've given thee a commandment of the children of Israel. Now please listen to this. You pull out the Ten Commandments and you start talking to me about the Ten Commandments. You start telling me what I've done wrong. You start telling me how I failed. You start showing me my failure. And God said, I'm going to put that right there under the mercy seat. And that condemnation takes me to a place where he communes with me because he died on the cross and paid my sin debt. And his mercy frees me from who I was and frees me from that death and frees me from that condemnation. He saved me by his grace. So he wrote a law and he put it there to say, Austin, come to me. And he came with the Holy Spirit convicting the world of their sin so we would come to Jesus and be saved. So God gave them the law and the testimony to drive them to the mercy seat. That's where he meets with his people. I am so thankful. I want you to go back to verse 22. uh, 25, 22. And there I will meet with thee. And I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. That's a tremendous place to go. If I were going to the law, he'd say, Okay, Austin, you remember that first time you stole? I got that written down right here in my book. I remember the first time you stole a candy bar. I saw you steal it. Well, there's some kids in this church. They know where all the candy is in my office, and they are thieves. Your children are thieves. And if God keeps a record, I'm sorry for you. Your kids have gone in there. The Canfield kids are the biggest crooks in the church. Amen, Charlotte. And so... That, just listen. This is beautiful. If he met me at the rule book, if he met me at the rule book, I'd come up short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If he met me at the rule book, I'd be in a big heap of trouble. But in the verse he said, I'll meet you there. Where are you going to meet me? At the mercy seat. I will meet you at the mercy seat. Read the verse with me. Verse 22. And there... I will meet with thee, and I will commune, I will converse, I will have fellowship with you from above the mercy seat where the blood of the Lamb was laid when he paid our price. So today, as I finish this message, I'd like to know. We know, if you look, you know what God's showing you in his law. He's showing you your desperate need of salvation. He has driven us to the mercy seat. The law drives me to cry for mercy. But as you read this chapter, verse, uh, chapter 31, you should realize that he saved us for a purpose. And not just go to heaven. He has a plan for your life. If you had a plan for Obezalel, if you had a plan for o, a holy ab, and if I go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, and he has a plan there, and he says and down in like verse 16, and he says in every part and every joint, everybody in this church... You, you need to really get involved. I mean, not a lot more than giving, and a lot more than praying, and a lot more than attending. I'm glad you do all that. But, man, we're all in the body. We're all in the work. We all got a job to do. And every one of us have that same promise that he gave old Bezalel, I will fill you with the Holy Spirit. I don't walk around here like the guy that y'all go, whoa, there goes the guy that's full of the ghost. And all the rest of you just kind of dribbling around here, and you ain't got nothing we are all been filled and used, and God has a plan for your life. We want to realize that purpose and give our lives to do the work of God. If I were you, I never have been you, really haven't since I was a kid. I started preaching when I was 15. But if I were you, I couldn't just sit there. If I were you, I'd be saying, God, I know you didn't just make me by accident, and I know you didn't overlook me because you made missionaries and pastors and just the rest of us. I could never accept that. I'd have to say, boy, Exodus 31 is my chapter. And God has jobs to do in this church. There are things to do that Austin will never be as good at, Trent will never be as good at, Rob will never be as good at, Warren will never be as good at, Miguel will never be as good at because God chose old Bezalel to do some special stuff. And when it came down to it and they had a men's meeting, I hate to say this, but Moses would have said, okay, uh, Bezalel, you want to tell us what we're going to do on that, uh, uh, that uh, furniture we're making? I don't think Moses no, God told me you're doing it wrong. Because Bezalel was the one God filled with that spirit. Bezalel was the one that God gave that instruction. That's kind of humbling for me. I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to know everything and get to run everything. But in Exodus chapter 31, God said, you got a place. You got a place. And you're important. You ought to turn to him, and you ought to say, God, here I am. Use me for however you want to use me. Father in heaven, I love you. I thank you for your wonderful people. I thank you for the opportunity I have to be in your house. I thank you for the opportunity to serve with them and to worship with them. And, Lord, I pray that tonight's message didn't make them feel bad, but encourage them that you are using them, and they are special, and they belong in this, and every joint and every part supplies something very special that nobody else can do. And I pray you'd use your people for your honor. I pray you'd help Christians tonight to surrender and say, I'm going to find out what I can do. I'm going to find out where I fit in. I'm going to do things like I've never done them before. I'm going to take this seriously because God has a work that God wants done, and God wants to use me. This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. For more information, log on to www.visionbaptist.com where you can find our service times, location contact information, and more audio and video recordings.